0: welcome to another episode of the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast i am one of your hosts
1: perry and i'm your host david tonight we're talking about season three episode six the abandoned before we continue you can find us on twitter facebook spotify and apple podcasts as the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast
0: Absolutely, and as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are a great time, and tonight, for the first time ever, we are live, so if you decide to join us or whatever that is, you are going to see our bright, smiling faces. If, for whatever reason, you don't catch the live broadcast, you can, of course, join us on our new or YouTube page as the Fire Caves as well. Everything will be immediately um, streamed, loaded to the Facebook, or, man, Facebook, to the youtube page, uh, YouTube page <laughs> and uh, then you can watch us and tell us what you think and all that kind of stuff and you know so don't worry about it if you don't get it this time but we still would like to hear from you whenever you can
1: and then we'll um, still upload to the other streaming services correct so you will still have your regular
0: ability to listen to the podcast wherever it is you listen to podcasts i do it on spotify i think david you said you do it on apple through that's, apple Podcasts. That's right Yep. right so whatever platform it is that you normally listen to us on, you can still do that. Um the release of this, however, will be on Friday, October 7th. So you can either do it listen to us live now. You can get the YouTube version here in about an hour or so and then you can hear it again on your podcast platform. So lots of different ways that you get to enjoy us. Oh, but man. before we get into yeah, right. But before we get into all of that, since this is our first um, live broadcast, David, anything you want to say on this auspicious occasion?
1: Oh, well, I guess welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, man, uh, hopefully I'll get better lighting. <laughs> I got this dark shadow over here. Uh, but yeah, I definitely would like to get some better lighting and maybe even a better camera in the future and jump up a notch. But it's fun to test out live streaming for the first time, so get that going, and I hope people will be able to join us live here in the future.
0: We did have some uh, views of our test run that we did yesterday. Yeah, Um, uh, yeah. Sorry for people who may be looking for it later on, I deleted it because I didn't like it. (laughs) But um, while it was up, there were a number of views that we had for it, but again, that was not supposed to be a um, true episode. We were just testing things out, so you didn't miss anything if you get... (laughs) curious and are wondering about it you didn't you're missing out by not seeing it but yeah so i mean hopefully we can continue to gain some more traction um what have you been up to this week so far
1: well uh last in our last episode at the end of our last episode you and i were talking and uh you told me that you recently got the first book in the expanse series and so i ordered them today so that i can read them with you uh we could do like a side thing to talk about. Um so I ordered the books off of Amazon, got all 9. Uh just got the whole collection. You went and got all 9. I was like I'm going to go you for jerk. it. If I'm going to start, you I might jerk. as well commit, so I'll get the <laughs> whole thing. Um and uh yeah, they, they arrive on Tuesday apparently. So uh, uh hopefully you and I can uh read those together. We could give feedback on how the expanse books are compared to the show as an addition to some deep space nine content. Yeah. Concepts, so.
0: so if you are new to the Fire cave which I'm assuming You won't be. Um, As you can tell, we're pretty much you know sci-fi nerds in all in every way. You know, Um, we've talked about a bunch of different shows, and we'll continue to talk about a bunch of different shows in addition to Deep Space Nine. And really, how Deep Space Nine kind of, in my opinion, and I guess I'm trying to convince David of this opinion, Deep Space Nine kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of shows that came, you know, later throughout the 2000s and so forth um, for like great sci-fi television the expanse being one of the more recent ones that we're quite um enamored with right now oh yeah so you know the show i guess it was it didn't recently end. i guess it's been off the air for about a year now
1: it'd be about a Maybe year i'd say i think yeah. when we were uh starting the show about a year ago we were finishing up the last season uh right. season six on amazon uh, right yeah so it's been about a year
0: so you know we know that the show is based off of book series i debated for a long time as to whether i was actually going to read the book series and then finally my mother actually um i guess she got tired of listening to me go on and on about the show she (laughs) was able to actually find the very first book in the series i've looked for it in different places but could never really find it and as i said to david recently when we were talking anytime i looked i only ever saw the complete set I never saw like you could just order one and then go from there. It was always, you had to get all of them. And I guess I just have commitment issues. I just couldn't do it. I just wanted the one. Right. So I finally got it, got my hands on it. Thanks to my mother. I do appreciate that. And, um, I've just started reading. I'm like, I just got through the prologue only. I'm not very deep into it at all. Um, so yeah, that's going to be our new thing that we will also be, um, incorporating, into the show, as we incorporate so many other things between other TV shows to just 90s trivia and culture and things you should know from the 90s that were going on around the time that this that, that Deep Space Nine was out and popular and so forth, and uh, just moving through it uh, that way. So yeah, just um, be on the lookout for all those things, I guess. Cool. Now, before we do get into the episode, there is at least two different things. Bits of housekeeping I feel like we got to do. One is to acknowledge our own anniversary, which we did not do when we actually had the anniversary. We were kind of, I guess, saving this live broadcast to it. As David <laughs> indicated a little bit ago, we've been doing the fire caves now for about a year. We're into the third season of the show, but we've been doing this uh, podcast now for about a year. Mm-hmm. And um, I think our first episode was September, what? I think September tenth, something like that. Yep. It's um, been, yeah, because
1: it's been a, yeah. f- a month and a y- uh, sorry, a year and a month almost at this point. Yeah, um, for us to acknowledge it. So I guess it just kind of so came there's... and like you don't think about it. So it's just like, oh my gosh, there it went. We, we, that, that well, so well, I thought <laughs> of, I
0: thought about it. I thought about it, and I realized what the problem was. When we were trying to set this up and started initially, we were trying to get everything to fit into Star Trek Week and um star trek week is always a pretty big fanfare thing with you know they do panels and there's movies and there's just all kinds of stuff and we were new and trying to be a part of that stuff well then this year when star trek week rolled around it was kind of that but there was more because now one we had a podcast that was in full go we um had all of the new stuff that they were doing to allow people to like attend virtual panels and stuff because despite What some people may think about COVID, it is still out there affecting a lot of people. And so a lot of things were virtual this year. And so we were kind of doing some of that. And then, of course, we had, you know, the passing of Nichelle Nichols. And then, of course, the passing of the Queen, which kind of, you know, was there was just a lot of things happening all the same week that we were trying to pay attention to. And so, of course, you can't get to everything. We also had the in memoriam stuff, not just for the passing of Nichelle, but also celebrating Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog. Um, his passing and then of course we had um louise fletcher uh kai win here just recently so just a lot of things that didn't necessarily say hey celebrate an anniversary you know like not in that particular sense so we'll try to be better about it next year i think but um yeah i think that that's just all that happened you know but yeah it's been great doing this for a year i've enjoyed talking about one of my favorite shows ever yeah Uh, with you you know and dragging you along and (laughs) hoping that you'll get to the point where you're just as enthusiastic about this show as i am
1: right right yeah actually this episode will i'll have some comments to make about uh why uh cisco is it again just comparing him to picard what what what, oh yeah why is he different how is he different what does that mean um yeah
0: absolutely um, and speaking of uh, Commander Cisco, um, today is his birthday. Avery
1: he Brooks, he is
0: seventy-four years old. Avery Brooks, the actor wow. who plays Commander later Captain Cisco, um, is seventy-four years old today. Um, so, of course, happy birthday to Avery Brooks, the most badass captain that <laughs> that we've ever seen in Trek so far. Now, granted, there are some other captains that their shows are running right now, so they haven't had the chance to be you know to prove their mettle i guess i'll say just yet um but who knows if they'll get there or not but i still think avery is the one to beat on that level right you know we've got the diplomat we've got the scientist but he is definitely my you know kind of the just he's gritty he's edgy he's funny um and i I haven't seen anybody that can really surpass him just yet so we'll see and um it's only fitting that it's also his birthday and we're talking about him so much in this episode because this is also one of the few episodes that Avery Brooks directed oh, so we're gonna get a lot great. of Avery Brooks tonight guys yeah great. yeah this is wow. he directed a total of nine episodes of Deep Space Nine and this is one of them so we are Song right two on two
1: of the nine
0: I think so because I think he, di- dr- he directed one back in season two
1: I think he directed um, the I- one where they went to the alternate universe right where Kira was the was that the one? That's where, right. That's like, right. He did, that? That yeah, yes, the, he did direct that one. Yeah, cuz Yes, he did direct that one. The alternate um Captain Cisco and, was like a pirateer type character. Yeah,
0: and he was and he was barely in the episode, which made sense because <laughs> Avery was pulling d- double duty there. Um so he was probably He wasn't know,
1: pulling double duty step back. here. He was definitely no. in the episode.
0: Yeah. Now there is a reason for that. Avery Brooks felt that this uh the story told here Uh, Both the A and B story were very important, um, not just to the character of uh, Cisco, but also to um, kind of speaking again to that prevalence in the 90s of um, drug culture and the aggressive way that um, drugs kind of influenced um, uh, black people, brown peoples and and urban youth in general in the 90s. Okay. And so he felt that it was very important to tell a story that was uh, about kind of redirecting that hostility, that aggressiveness, and, and so forth, right. and uh, showing how, you know, there are there are ways in which you can be different, but then also how, like, it can seem inescapable. So, again, we're going to get into that, of course, with the episode, um, and kind of delving more into that, because that's what we do here, and that's why we love this show so much. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Would you cool. like to would you like to give our
1: recap? I can unless you feel like you should. I don't know. I I would be happy to do it.
0: Either <laughs> way anyway, it's fine, you know, as we say we're just hitting the highlights here. We're not going to give you a point for point on the episode. I mean, again, the show is 30 years old. If you want that, go watch it. In fact, you should go watch it, then join us. I mean, I guess you can't do that now cuz we're live, so you should have watched it before. But I'm just saying yeah, just give us the give us the high points, and then we'll take them through it anyway.
1: Okay, all right. All right, so uh, this episode starts off in Quarks, where um, one of the Dabo girls, Marta, uh, helps um, get money for Quarks by convincing one of the players who was on a winning streak to go one more time, and he loses uh, that last time. And then when he goes to try and approach her, she brushes him away, because she is Jake's girlfriend. And she sits down with Jake, and we get a brief moment of them looking lovey-dovey at each other. Uh, Quark is approached by a uh, captain of a ship. Oh, I think we've seen her before. Uh, This captain says that she's the
0: the Boslick captain. We've seen her before. Uh This is the second time, and we will see her
1: again. I don't doubt it. The second time,
0: <laughs> but but there's if there's one recurring theme with her, it's every time she shows up, she brings Quark a little bit of trouble.
1: Oh, I didn't. So, yeah, um, yep. yeah. The first yeah. time I think was when she brought the in season two episode one. She brought the uh, message saying that there was a um, uh, Bajoran captives. I believe is that mm-hmm. correct? From the that's right. Season one that or there season two. Bajoran's-
0: Bajoran still being held on a prison camp. Right, and that and she uh, had the,
1: the the earring of one of the people, which turned out Lee to Nullis. be... Lee yeah, anyway, so that's her. She shows up and she says, Hey, Quark, you know me. Uh, we've been doing business for a long time. I got some business for you. I got some salvage from the Gamma Quadrant. And she convinces him to pay up front before seeing the goods. And so when Quark goes to view what he has bought, of course, it's a bunch of junk. Except... That he starts hearing a crying baby and he opens up a stasis chamber and we move into uh, the end of the uh, the opener. When we come back uh, we're in the infirmary and Quark has given this baby to Dr. Bashir and Sisko. Uh, the, inf- the infant has a very high metabolism rate and so uh, Bashir is thinking that this creature uh, must be artificially designed on some level because it seems like its its genetic structure seems to have been manipulated. Uh, they try and find the Boslik captain, but of course she's disappeared. Uh, so we're gonna have to figure out what to do with this kid. Cisco um, has a lovely moment with the child, holding him, and Dax sees that, and she says, "You know um, that must remind you of you know when you had." Uh, you know, Jake and Cisco says I miss when Jake was young and being able to care for him. Um, and it's revealed Cisco goes to back to his quarters and tells Jake that, oh, I invited um, your girlfriend, the Dabo girl, uh, Marta, to dinner, and Jake is upset. He like heard you know his dad had said that he wanted to invite her, but that seemed to be more of a thing that maybe he had forgotten about, and so Jake is feeling, you know, a bit. You know, nervous about his dad meeting this Dabo girl, and in the yeah. conversation that uh, that uh, Cisco had with Dax, um, actually I think it's with O'Brien. He's he, uh, Cisco tells O'Brien that yeah, him getting a Dabo girl isn't such a great thing. Uh, he does have some problems with that, and so he's gonna find a way to make them break up. Uh, it won't be it won't be quite too heavy handed, but he'll he'll find a way to kind of work it out. Um, However, in the meantime, the baby, as we said, has a high metabolism and the next day the child has grown into what looks like an eight or nine-year-old and as uh, Bashir and Cisco are talking, the child is able to understand them and able to communicate uh, back with them right away. Um, So this is concerning, you know, where did this child come from? This definitely seems to show that the child is artificial in its origin. Uh, especially because this year has done some more testing. And uh, so um, they're they're worried about this child. What are they going to do with it? Um, let's see here. Now, in the O'Brien has found that the stasis chamber seems to have been designed to forestall the baby's maturation while aboard the ship. So the ship seems to have been some sort of tramp, transport. Uh, so this just further backs up the idea that this child was artificially uh designed and created uh let's see here um so uh kira this is a third third thing going on kira goes to odo odo has some new quarters and he's initially resistant to let her in with her plant you know she has a plant of like a house decorating here you go this is for you uh, but he does let her in, and it's a strange room because, of course, he doesn't need to sleep, and he has a bunch of strange objects in there, but Kira's excited to see it all, and he explains that he wants this room to be a place where he can test his shape-shifting abilities, different textures and shapes and all sorts of things, and uh, Kira really, really likes it. And apparently he doesn't need to go into his bucket anymore. He can just, you know, go on the ground as he has his own private area. He can just, you know, just... Go to relax. His, exactly. Be himself. Guys. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Bashir and Dax, um, they realize that the boy is missing a, an enzyme. There's something about his genetic structure that uh, won't produce this enzyme. And so that, again, further in, in, gives them the idea that this child is artificially created. And this means that if they can find this enzyme, uh, they'd be able to help the boy, because the boy, um, as we find out, uh, at the end of this part, is that he is now a full-on teenager, uh, and he is a Jim Hadar. He has the full-on facial plates, the hair, uh, if we recognize the Jim Hadar from any previous episodes, that is what this boy is, and so if we remember the Jim Hadar were the military wing from the Founders and the Founders were the uh, Changelings that Odo was and so when the boy is running out, he runs into Odo and Odo lets him pass through him um, And the boy immediately seems to like recognize Odo as something to be in awe of Um, So this is important because if We have the Jim Hadar, a Jim Hadar child here. uh, He's dangerous. So now Cisco is having to talk with Starfleet. What do we do about uh, this Jim Hadar? Well, they want to take him. The, in the the Federation wants to take the boy to Starbase Two O One to research him. Now uh, Odo objects to this. He was a, a specimen, uh, treated like a, a a science project for many years. He doesn't like, he didn't like that. He doesn't like the idea of this boy uh, being treated the same way. So he objects to uh, this boy being treated as a science project. So he decides to ask Cisco if he can take responsibility for the Jim Hadar boy, uh, saying that, you know, as a changeling, he automatically has the in the, the the artificial creation of this boy has put something into him to respect changelings he is a changeling so therefore he should be able to control the boy um, at the same time they're able to find the uh enzyme in this in amongst the wreckage the enzyme they need to give the boy they're able to find and that is ables the boy to you know not experience the nausea and pain of missing the enzyme. Uh, this is very good, but of course, the Jim Hadar boy doesn't like being treated like a specimen either. So, Odo starts taking uh, control of the situation and starts working with the Jim Hadar boy. Sisko uh, and Jake have Marta over, and um, Sisko <laughs> thinks he's going to be in control of the situation, but he actually starts learning some things. Marta you know, tells about her personal history and, uh, Jake says, Oh, you're a great writer. And she "Oh, no, I'm not a great writer. You're a great, you know, um, you write great poems. And Cisco's like, what you write poems. And so Jake is very happy with Marta there. They almost kiss at one point, which was awkward. Uh, and, uh, Cisco is basically not quite so ready to just kick Marta out and, and make, put his foot down with Jake. Um, it turns out that Jake is also quite the Jom Dot hustler, it turns out. So Jom Dot.
0: Yeah. Dom Dot. Dom dot. excuse
1: me. Um, so yeah. Uh Sisko is learning all kinds of things about his son from Marta, it turns out, and that is both good and bad, but he decides to kind of let it let it roll. Um, so Odo is now taking control of the boy, which we don't ever get a name for him. He's just the Jim Hadar boy. And uh, he wants to, you know, fight. He is designed to fight. He's a fighter. So uh, Odo takes him to a um, one of the One of the
0: hollow decks. yeah. And they and lets him kind of duke it out for a bit
1: with one of the hollow uh, projections. And the and the boy keeps wanting the the danger turned up, turned up, turned up, turned up. Um, and so by the end. I mean, it's, it's way up there, and this boy is already a skilled fighter, like, just automatically a skilled fighter. Meanwhile, while the boy is learning to fight, Odo is pulled out by Kira, and Kira berates him, quite frankly, and tells him, what are you doing? This boy is dangerous. He's not a, you know... We gotta we gotta be very cautious with him. We need to make sure that we remember that he's a Jim Hadar and that um, we shouldn't treat him as a toy, basically. Uh, can you trust him? She asks him. And, and Odo says... He's not trying to control the boy. He's trying to give the Jim Hadar boy a third option away from being a specimen in a laboratory or another just him Hadar and uh, be violent. Um, but it turns out that Cisco can't stop the Federation from wanting to take the boy. They uh, want him to go to the, the station because they're concerned about the Jim Hadar and how dangerous they are. So Odo decides that he is going to take the boy and make a run for it. Um, that he doesn't want the boy, you know, hurt. So um, but the Jem Hadar boy actually steps out of camouflage and points a phaser at Cisco, and uh they have to he basically forces Sisko to let him go. Now, of course, Sisko being in control of the station, uh tells, you know, O'Brien and the others to make sure that they can't leave. But when they confront Odo and the boy Odo makes a case for for returning him back to the Gamma Quadrant. Um, And so Cisco allows it, allows them to leave, claiming that, oh, I'll I'll use the excuse of uh, you guys overpowered us. Um, So that's what happens. uh, And then shortly thereafter, Odo comes back to the station and tells Kira, "Um, you were right about the boy. And that ends the episode. I know there's some more things that we'll probably get a chance to talk about, but I feel like those are the major uh, highlights. So, uh, anything you'd want to add? No, I mean, I
0: think you essentially hit the high points. We're going to get into it, of course. Um, But yeah, um, one of the first things that I want to talk about is uh, Quark not following the rules of acquisition, as Cisco (laughs) points out to him when. When it's revealed that, you know, he just kind of took this salvage site unseen, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Sisko's like, aren't there rules about this sort of thing? And he's like, yes, I normally follow <laughs> You know, he's basically just intimating that the Bosley captain got the better of him using her feminine wiles. I was going to say, yeah, to just... it
1: seems to be insinuated that she uh, gave him a, another reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: her, that he that he bought the salvage from her on the cheap, you know, and got landed with yet another another issue right. that she's put in his lap. So, I mean, if anything, he should just learn to stay away from her. But as we all know, that is not Quark's MO whenever it comes to a beautiful woman. So, uh, yeah, he's going to definitely be thrown to the wayside there. And right. then...
1: Um, well, I just want to quickly I also like, to move on. Yeah. I just want to say that I feel like... Cisco and the, I mean, if he's in control of the station, shouldn't he also know what's coming on to his station? Shouldn't he know that this wreckage and this stasis chamber might have ended up on the station? But, uh. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, they're trying to turn D Space Nine from a place of oppression into a place of community and commerce. Because, you know, as we know, the, under the Cardassian um, control, The space station was a deuterium processing facility. It was not a pleasant place to live or do business. It was a, it was basically a labor camp in space. Right. Um, And so now they're trying to make it something else. And I think Cisco's job is more just like, let's just make sure things go smoothly. He's not trying to necessarily interfere with their business. And it also, you know, it also explains why he's so annoyed with Quark a bit, because Everybody, all the different races that come on board the station and do their business and whatever else, Gork is the only one who continuously finds himself mixed up in something that goes well beyond trade, commerce, whatever. There's always some greater implication behind whatever he gets involved with. Like, she traded him the earring and that led them to Lee and the Circle and almost toppling the entire and provisional government all because of Quark and his inability to say no to this woman <laughs> yeah. so it's just like stop it man you, you're you <laughs> getting us all in trouble we're all tired of you yeah. bringing us stuff and then here he comes with this baby which seems so you know innocent enough but then of course it's a adolescent Jem'Hadar, Right. you know so um, yeah just a he's just he's a troublemaker to say the least he's a troublemaker you know so it's just i love that Mm -hmm. and then i also love that there seems to be even though we, we i don't think we ever hear more of them but there seems to be rules in regards to um dabo and the dabo girls you know marta tells jake you know rule number one of dabo watch the wheel not the girl
1: yeah
0: you know so i'm just like i love that there's kind of these little subsets of rules and like Cultural things that pop up here and there.
1: Right. Um, I wish
0: we could get more of that, but hey, I'll take what we can get. Right. You know. Yeah. But
1: speaking yeah, of, of the. Course, oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. Then we have Marta and Jake. Yeah. Um,
1: wow. Jake. Marta yeah. and Jake. <laughs> yeah. We're going
0: to talk about them a lot tonight.
1: <laughs> Marta oh, and Jake. Okay, good. Because man, man, I was like, uh, yeah. Um, I'm with Cisco on this one. What the heck is a I mean, she says she's 20, but I'm like, uh, this actress seems a little older than <laughs> 20. Hey, you know. All but making out with a 16-year-old boy, like, what's going on? <laughs> so,
0: yeah, one, it's the 90s, so, you know, people looked, I'm not going to say that people looked older then than whatever, but I, I believed her when they said that she was 20 years old. I also did draw a little bit of a pause when I found out that Jake was 16, and I was like, you landed a 20 year olds at 16, like, how yeah. is that even possible? Right. But, you know what? I'm gonna give them, I give them a pass for a couple of different reasons. So, are we, are we ready to go ahead and jump into the Jake and Marta discussion now?
1: I guess we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Alright.
0: So, a couple of things I feel like you must remember in order to kind of appease yourself a bit. Right. One, this is the future. So, I mean, that helps a lot. It's a future show, whatever. But, Beyond that, if we, if we strip away all of the uh, techie stuff or whatever about it, what do we find out about Marta? One, her parents were killed when she was a child. She was raised by neighbors through the occupation. Right. She does have a brother and sister, but they don't get along. So we know already her personal life, her family life in particular, is a shambles to say the least. Okay? So you're dealing with a deeply affected most likely traumatized individual who's been trying for a very very long time to establish a life a living of some kind right Right. and then we don't know what the cultural mores for bajorans and age and dating and all that kind of stuff (laughs) is not to say i'm not to say that there's a bunch of people who are like you know 30 dating 16 year olds or whatever that is i'm not saying any of that (laughs) happens but you know in our culture right you are considered an adult at 18 that is not always the case in other cultures there's plenty of other instances in other cultures where people are deemed men or deemed women at different ages okay so we can't sit there and say that just because ours says this one thing that that is the end all be all Second,
1: uh, I did some pushback there, but go ahead. Keep going. (laughs) That's fine.
0: That's fine. But I'm just saying for, in this instance, 16 is not too far outside of the range of being considered an adult for some. Okay. Um, now the next thing is if you also want to go to the route of thinking about what we know about, again, Bajorans and Dabo girls and whatever, which is very little, I would think that the appeal of Jake to someone like her is that he offers her um, a, a lot of compassion and understanding that she might not otherwise get. As we see when we first encounter Marta here, this is the first time we've actually really seen Marta. Right. She was mentioned in right. season two, but this is the first time we've ever seen her. True. She's... She's objectified, 100%. Even Quark does it, her boss, you know, he's got her in the you know the skimpy outfit and everything like that, because her job is to distract right. the people playing Dabo. Right. So she's objectified in the extreme. The guy that she's, you know, just convinced to deal away his money, he is instantly trying to um, push himself on her, you know, and she has to deflect that, and I'm sure that's not the only time she's ever had to do that, you know. And then she sees and interacts with Jake Sisko, who doesn't do any of these things. As far as we can tell, Jake is a very upstanding um, uh, young man. You know, he's very considerate. He's very kind. He's probably in no way like the men she's used to throwing attention at her. Right. So I think he offers her something that she really hasn't experienced with any other type of man before. So between the... Again, not understanding the, the, the age thing and then the the trauma of the past and all the other stuff, I feel like if, while it would still make us a bit uneasy, I think we could work ourselves towards giving them a pass a bit more than if this was just two humans, one being 20 and one being 16 and, and, and so forth. Right. A lot of things we don't know culturally is what I'm saying.
1: Okay. So, so first off, I want to say that according to uh, the... Age the 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 age of the actress. Apparently, she was actually 18 or so when this was filmed. So I was wrong. I thought she seemed older than that, but whatever. For me, it was. I still feel like Jake is a boy, and she came off the whole time as a woman, and so it just felt awkward because it's like he's still a boy in my mind. Like, why? Well, is and again, a-
0: that's like a. That's a pure example of her upbringing, as she says. Like her parents were killed a long time ago. Right. She had to grow up a lot faster than he did. Yes, he lost his mother, but he had his father. Who, and his father also, you know, as much as I love Cisco, he can be a bit overprotective of his son, <laughs> and so it's no. easy to what? frame. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> so it's easy to frame him into that mindset of still seeming boyish because his dad is so you know, he's so invested in Jake and he's so into, you know, listening and paying attention to his son and, and, and doing things with him that kind of constantly reminds us that he he is a boy, right. you know? But we are also watching Jake grow up. Jake is not the same. I mean, we're, we're this again, this oh, is season three. he's so
1: three. Tall? He's, oh, my Right, goodness. he
0: is certainly not the same from what we saw of him in season one. In season one, he was so unsure of himself. He definitely leaned on his father a lot more. And now, you know, he's... he's more articulate, he's much taller, you know, he's he's definitely come into his own a bit right. so yeah, there's there's more to him here that we're seeing as he's entering into his mid-teens you know, right. coming into his adulthood, so again I see the potential of this, but I also like that Sisko was like, um, she's a Davo girl and she's dating my son right. I, I'm not gonna like her <laughs> so it was great great moment I again i fully identified like one of the, it's one of those things like i've said before i remember watching the show when i when i was younger and it was on and being like jealous of jake and now i'm on the other side of it as a father and i'm older <laughs> and i'm like yeah my daughter's not dating because she's 30 so i don't right. I don't want to hear it yeah, so exactly. yeah yeah,
1: yeah um, i mean i don't know again i thought the actress was older than she actually was apparently so that was i guess part of my concern was like it like there's that scene in the in the at the dinner scene when like Cisco's out of the room and so they're like up close and they nearly kiss. <laughs> it's
0: just. Oh, you know. I get it. So you were thinking of it of like this actress who is.
1: Oh no! I, I felt you like were thinking she. I felt like the she show. She was just too old for that. Yeah, well, okay. the actress, the character. Let me put it this way. Yeah, I'm holding the Dabo girl bit against her. Frankly, <laughs> I mean, okay. her job is to get dolled up and and distract men with. Her looks and she does her job well. Uh, yes, that does doesn't his...
0: mean that she goes any further and does other things. She just Fair you know, fulfills the role of the nine to five.
1: Let me put it this way. because she's
0: dressed dressed as a way. woman of ill repute.
1: <laughs> All of I can imagine that most people would agree that your high school relationships didn't work out, right? And so, I just feel like poor Jake being kind of lonely on the station he found a girl she likes him i we don't know her well enough yet i mean the dinner scene does give us a chance to know her a little bit more but mm-hmm. i guess what i'm getting at is that right now it just seems like she's let me put it this way she's the type of girl as a dabo girl who is worldly wise and if jake isn't also worldly wise he could be taken advantage of i'm well, concerned for him to be taken advantage of frankly Okay. If not no, because, that, if only because he's the son of the station captain, commander, and so yeah. if if, if uh, she just needs a way to like protect herself by getting in with the son of the station commander, um, she doesn't actually like him. She's just using him for protection. That's that's part of my concern. Yeah. Is she's just okay.
0: Using him, so. so your concern is that she could be using him. Yes. All right. I mean, I guess I guess that's fair, but at the same time, I would say. We have no evidence that she's done anything like that. If anything, it seems like she's drawn Jake out a bit, and we learn more about Jake because of her. Even Sisko says so. We didn't know about the poetry-writing, jot hustling son <laughs> that was apparently, you know, yeah. wise beyond his years, basically. One um, of the last lines of the episode you know.
1: before Odo shows up and talks to Kira, he's talking to O'Brien, and he says, Do you ever play Jom-Dot? Or Domjot, he says no. Or maybe it's Dax he's talking to, but I think it's No, it's, it's
0: O'Brien. He goes, have you ever played Jake? Have you ever played Domjot with, with Jake? Yeah, uh, with Jake. And he's like, no. no. And he's like, don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, so. Well,
1: I guess that's another it's, thing. It's, it's like, is she teaching him how to, you know... Not steal well, yeah, exactly, again, but you know, play uh, games of chance I, and take advantage of his opponents. You know,
0: I mean, I'm gonna say if anybody is teaching Jake how to play games of chance and gambling and everything else, it's, it's gotta Nog. be Nog. Yeah, it's fair. Nog. Well, he picked that up she's, from them.
1: She's helping. I'm sure they all three play together, and they've all taught that's, each other I mean, a I'm, thing or two. <laughs> I'm sure that's. I'm sure
0: that's probably how they met. He was hanging out in Quarks with Nog playing dom jot, and there she is working as a dabo girl, and then he also says that you know he was helping her you know he was helping her study and stuff too so maybe on her break she was trying to study something he knew it came over laid down the knowledge and before you knew it they were you know something else was going on there right you know and again i think that's another way that she you know that we can see that she's getting something from him that she's never really had the chance to experience before in most cases Men in her, you know, that came into her profession for whatever reason, they all looked at her in one very narrow, particular, sexualized way. Jake didn't. And being able to relate to him on a level that did not involve her being a glorified game girl or whatever you want to call her, and that and she didn't have to be, you know, dressed in tight, whatever, and all makeup and all that other kind of stuff, but just got to be a person. I think that's another thing that let her, you know, another reason that well, I guess, kept her interest in him.
1: Well, I guess the, my, my, my question is, too, is, like, I mean, we've seen them together with her dressed up like that. And if he met her at Quark's, then that's certainly the first impression he got of her. And then secondly, um, oh, what was my second we, point? Shoot.
0: We don't, know, we don't know how they met. We don't know how we're... We're making a lot of inferences here because we never see right. it. We never see how they met. I'm just... It seems like I'm more on the... Making it as innocent as possible. You, on the other hand, are like, nope, she was spinning more than that wheel, and that's what got his attention. <laughs> so...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit wrong. If they work out, great. I hope they do. I guess... Oh, I think this is the other thing is um, why doesn't she already have other friends that she can get, you know, affirmation from outside of work. Does she not have female friends or male friends a little closer to her age? I mean, that is a four-year age gap between them, which at those ages is actually pretty big. Um, I mean, at least in our culture, that's college age versus sophomore in high school. So. um,
0: Yeah, but there's nothing to indicate that she ever really went to any of those things. Again, I keep going back to her, what she said about her life. I'm not saying that she did.
1: I'm just saying that the the comparison to to us that we would make I mean the four year difference is massive at that young age like you and I are about four years difference so in our 30s it doesn't matter as much but for late teens I feel like it wouldn't matter a little more so
0: Yeah, but I mean, there could be reasons. Like, I mean, she clearly had to work early in order to support herself. She didn't have a family base to do that or even friends really to do that. It seems like her whole existence has really been about survival. Her parents were killed. She lived with neighbors briefly to take care of herself through the occupation and maybe a little bit post-occupation. But then, you know, everybody on Bajor is is starving. Everybody needs, you know, uh, the ability to take care of themselves. And she found a way quickly because she was young because she's attractive and the Ferengi pay like you can say whatever you want to say about them but they do pay so at least it was a quick probably the only way really without because I mean without any formal training or anything I mean what were the the Cardassians were in control of their planet what were they really gonna train them as a skill set to do they weren't training them to you know be um, you know star starship captains or shuttle pilots they were a labor force to them. So suddenly that all goes away. There's no, I mean, as as crappy and oppressive as it was, it was still some kind of structure. All of that suddenly goes away. You have no way to make any kind of income or to do anything. And you have no training, even if you wanted to. This is all she had. And it, it paid sucks. Yes, but it paid. So I'm still going to give her a pass. So... (laughs) I mean, we just, we just, we never lived those. We never lived those kinds of lives, Dave. We don't know what that's like to have to survive after a alien invasion force in your well, just, in your home.
1: Well, I just want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying that. Yeah, like if she if she had to take care of herself, I get it. My point is, is that does that make her a good companion for Jake? And. My initial reaction is no. <laughs> I mean, well, by the end I of the mean, episode, they're we don't making know the, the case that they are compatible. So I, I will give the show. Well, that and they're and they're,
0: they're also think. making the case that you know a, a person is not just a job.
1: You oh, know, yeah, that's yeah.
0: the other thing too. But I mean, I I'm just going to one step further and just saying this because she had a, a, a troubled, traumatic past doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only type of life that she's going to lead and that's the only thing she can contribute to someone else's life
1: either. I guess what she could I... could very well be a I guess very... what I would... would I'm just... Because I'm... Like, behind... In the back of my head, what I want, what I'm kind of getting at is, like, I I find it sad that Jake doesn't have girls just a little bit closer to his age and experience to date. Like, the Dabo girl <laughs> is the... I mean, maybe there are other girls and he just... That's who we ended up with. It's fair. Like, the show doesn't have time to give okay. us the Jake life and it doesn't usually focus on Jake, but it feels like as the only boy of the of the humanoid race of, on the sh- on the station, and there aren't many Majoran characters that we interact with, and she's the first one, but she's a double girl, not like one of the girls in his class, for example. Dog um, was the only one that he really became friends with. So I guess I'm just sad for Jake. I feel like his choices are slim, and so the one yeah. girl he is actually in a relationship with is one with some... We have two questions. We're like, okay, is she really? Like, what do we know about her? So yeah, that, we've talked a lot I about started. this. This dear god. So t- at least yeah, no. minutes. <laughs> well, all I'm
0: gonna say, all I'm gonna say to wrap that up is one, we, you're right. We have not seen everything when it comes to Jake's dating experience. And just as a mild spoiler for you, as a person who's never seen Deep Space Nine, stay tuned. There's okay. more to come. Okay, Gosh. so there. So yeah, we need to put this to bed because we've now like <laughs> really. Uh, went maybe too far into this but that's what happens whenever we talk about the ciscos in general you know we enjoy that family dynamic so much and we literally are watching it change like every season there's a little bit of a different aspect of it that we're that we're coming into and now here we are we went from cisco being a widow dealing with a you know adolescent son to now he is you know on the verge of uh, fighting with a, man, a fully formed man here you know, he's his son is 16. he's there's a complete difference here from nine to 16 you know so we've got a big jump that we've seen right um but yeah just a just a, a great bit and also just to kind of bring us to our our favorite part of Cisco versus Picard I feel like Picard would have been completely out of his element here. I don't oh, think exactly. he ever would have been able to handle this kind of a situation. Not at all. And that,
1: and that is actually even more true in the moment when Sisko picks up the baby Jim Hadar boy. That moment where yes. he lovingly picks up this child who he doesn't know anything about and is sweet and caring and, and reminisces about his own son and how much he loves his own son. You know, Picard was always portrayed as someone who was awkward around kids and who was kind of cold. And a he's a military man, so he there's a chain of command. He does things a certain way. Cisco uh, always comes off as more passionate in both the um, loving, willing to express affection type ways, and in the hot-headedness as well. Um, so there are there are you know there are goods and bads of both personalities, um, but this is definitely an example of how Cisco differs and it's to his benefit in in a lot of ways um that he is that warm character we can have these moments these scenes picard would have never picked up the child and not at all i I think that yeah
0: no i think that if 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 picard had encountered an alien child in this pod or whatever he yeah he never would have never would have handled the child. He never would have held it. He certainly would have been way more standoffish and he would have been way more apprehensive. He would have already been thinking about the potential dangers and repercussions of the child. It would have been along the lines of, you know, who are its parents? We need to identify this race as quickly as possible. Are they friendly? Are they hostile? Is this kid carrying anything that could hurt anybody? Let's keep them isolated. We would have heard more from Dr. Crusher, and um, Counselor Troy in this one talking about we need to, you know, like, it's still it's a baby, we need it's a child, we need to treat him as such, and Picard, and then especially once the child, like, aged up rapidly, Picard would have been like, oh no no, 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 this, he would have been so suspicious the whole time, and it would only be well after the fact that, after the child left the ship, that Picard would have relaxed, and then we would have gotten some kind of waxing poetic or whatever about the situation in general and the potential to change an enemy to a friend. or That's what we would have heard from Picard. He would not have been hands-on or active at all the way that Sisko was. Sisko was totally enamored with the kid when he was holding the baby. He wasn't thinking about threats or dangers or contagions or anything like that. He was reminiscing. He was thinking about the last time he held his son and how much he loved it and how much he missed it and even when Dax tries to remind him of the the terrible parts of being um a parent with a with an infant he's still like yeah i i just i still miss it i miss all of that right. so we get to i feel like it like it definitely makes uh Cisco more relatable than Picard because it it's, it's just more I, I think it just feels more Human that he misses being um, a parent like that, yeah. especially now that his son is so much older and bigger, and, and then we get to see that in the very next scene when he goes home and he tries to hug his son, and, and Jake's like, "Nope," yeah, and turns away from him and stuff, yeah. you know. So yeah, he's you know, very
1: old in that first moment when Cisco, came yeah. Out. yeah, hurt his
0: dad's feelings, you yeah. know, not wanting to hug the old man, yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, Picard would not have handled this situation well at all. He just he's never handled children well. Yeah. So that is a very great uh, distinction between the two of them. And we see it so well here. And Avery Brooks just makes it look hundred percent natural. Like he just <laughs> really I, I would believe it if someone told me that he really enjoyed being um a parent a father and so i would absolutely believe. i mean we have nothing to say that he doesn't i'm just saying if someone came up to me and said oh yeah this man great dad great granddad i'd be like yeah i know i watched him 30 years ago hold a baby i I believe i believe (laughs) so but now let's talk about one of our other favorite characters odo Odo, when we get to see some true growth here with him moving from his small bucket, to now he's got full-on quarters that he gets to morph around in. Right. Um, I was surprised seeing that. I mean, I, I guess I never really thought about it, Odo having having quarters on the station. But, of well, course, I, he I would assume
1: he did, yeah. I know it wasn't until Season two's Episode 2 when you know, Kira was told that she had been promoted back to the planet that we get that hilarious scene where everyone comes to her, you know, quarters oh, yeah. and is trying to say goodbye. That was the first time we saw her quarters. Um, but yeah, I always assumed that Odo had quarters of his own. I know he had a bucket and that he primarily was found in the, the office of the, uh, the, the jail. The security office. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I just always assumed that he just kept the bucket in there and that he just stayed in the office.
1: Yeah, and that seems to be what was implied. And now that I think about it, like that's kind of what I was in the back of my mind assuming on some level. Like, that was also his private space, um, or at the very least, that he spent most of his time there. And if he did have his own quarters, it was bare. and he only went there briefly to regenerate and came back immediately. Like, he didn't even furnish it. So to find that he has new quarters and that he's furnished it was interesting. And, you know, (laughs) when Kira first shows up with the plant, he's all sighing heavily, and he's like, ugh okay, if you really want to come see it. But then, like, when she's in there, he's, like, actually excited to tell her about it.
0: Yeah, like, the, when the door closes behind him, he completely relaxes, and he's so excited and eager to tell her about what his goal is with his quarters. It actually, like, I, I loved what he said about it just kind of being, like, his own personal sanctuary, a place for him to right. just kind of explore and everything like that. Yeah. It actually made me kind of jealous. I was like, you know what? I kind of should do that at my own home. Man. I yeah. feel like my own house should be, like, my place that's it's, it's for me, it's indicative of my likes and my interest and in it. It's my place to kind of relax. And it's not just a glorified storage bin. It's, it's, you know, make it yours, make it your home.
1: Yeah. Own. yeah it's, you I so, I, yeah, it's I, like, love, I guess I haven't really mentioned it, but yeah, I, you know, I moved recently. Uh, one thing I could have talked about, you know, I moved recently and I have my own room and it's bigger than the room I had before. And yeah, I definitely have made it more of mine, uh, which has been great. Um, Yeah, that's why I feel for Odo because we know at the beginning of the season we had him meet the changelings, and this episode really ties into those episodes. Mm -hmm. um, What he learned—you're
0: right. Like what he learned on when he was on the homeworld on his homeworld, and they were encouraging him to explore and shapeshift, and now he's back on the station, but he instead of you know, I guess, living in the disappointment of discovering they were the founders, he's taken some of what he's learned and he's now incorporating that into his home life. Right. He has a place now. He's making it his own now. He's exploring his his culture through shapeshifting. Right.
1: The only yeah. question I have, maybe you can answer this or not, but, you know, in, in season one and in other scenes when we've seen him shapeshift, other than him having difficulty with the humanoid face, he always seems successfully able to transform into whatever he wants to transform into. Part of me is like, well, if I mean, you I, think
0: about it. If you think about it, we don't really see him turn into a lot of things. He kind of half true. forms tendrils, and he's able to like he whipped his arm that one time, well, and then actually, he was of course the big amorphous blob.
1: Well, actually, the in one, season isn't... one, the one thing I'm really thinking about, there's that that episode where he um, he goes to the Gamma Quadrant with that captive who tells him that I know the changelings, and it turns out he was lying about having met changelings. Um, yeah, the was. The, the vault was actually his daughter in cryostasis. He tells the yeah. story. Anyway, but in that episode, when we first start, Quark is taking a bunch of drinks. Or I oh, guess that's it's, right. It's wrong. And he's he
0: he's one drinks. of the glasses. Exactly. He's and one he, of the glasses. And he,
1: like, even remember, if you remember my I, I talked about it. It was like, when he shattered, Odo shattered when the glass was thrown. He shattered. um, And I thought that was strange because yeah. that meant that he could, like, his body parts could, like separate from each other as as glass um i mean don't be wrong i'm not saying that maybe that's a simple enough object for him to have done it yeah he's just practicing more options like when he was on the changeling planet he turned into a bird and was like expressing how awesome it is to be a bird and i also think it's also an idea that it's maybe not expressly said but if he's always been kind of ashamed of his changelingness and his shape mm-hmm. ability and he never really wants to advertise it or do it very much. And we certainly know he doesn't like to revert to his, you know, basic state in front of anyone. Um, but if the idea is that he is now feeling more confident and, and free and you know not shamed about being a changeling and he has yeah. and he has a private space to practice, that makes sense. And so I like that, that yeah. the character is growing in that way.
0: I liked that they took his bucket and put Kira's plant in it. Yes. Because I was like, what a great symbol for for literal growth is that he's got a plant growing in this thing that he no longer has to revert into. I I loved that. I was like, that is, I mean, it was definitely on the nose symbolism, but I felt it was completely appropriate.
1: Yeah, and Kira was so happy for him, and she's happy that he puts the plant in. She just wants to see it. She's his friend. Yeah, it was a nice scene between them.
0: And I think it's pretty significant, too, that, you know, like the person that he's opened up to the most is Kira, right? you know, and it's just kind of playing into this thing. You know, there's there's obviously something else going on here. Um, he feels obviously more comfortable telling her things than he does anybody else. So right. not that I, you know, just just seems like those two obviously have something. Here, so I like seeing that development furthering along as well. Um, I also liked how quick Odo was to jump to the defense of the Jemadar once they realized he was a Jemadar, and he was like, Yeah, you want to. You guys want to send him off to Starfleet where he can be studied like a specimen, and they're like, "Oh, but he'll be treated so well." And he's like, "Okay, he'll be a well-treated specimen because he knows what that's like to be in a place, an institution where you're poked and And prodded and 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 studied because you're right, you're the unknown alien, you're the only one of your kind in the area, you're the, and he's trying his best to not um, let this this kid really." fall to the same
1: fate right
0: and um
1: and we have backup it, it, for that because in the season two yeah. episode where they um he gets turned kind of crazy at that, times yeah the uh, the scientist who studied him is on the station and that's exactly dr. what mora. happens is you know, dr mora is very nice and friendly but he keeps treating odo like a specimen the whole time he keeps you know making comments every time odo does something like he's observing him and it's, it's unnerving, it, it shows that he's not really accepting, at least until the end of the episode where he acknowledges that he's been doing it, uh, he doesn't really accept Odo as uh, a person on some level. Or at the very least, he's, right. a, he's, he's treating him as like a child at best, not as a fully formed adult, quote-unquote, person. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: Yes, Dr. Maripole, he, um he's the one who, you know, kind of, discovered Odo and that was their whole process you know being in he was Odo was in his lab and he he experimented on him he didn't know what Odo was right. experimented on him and then it even is kind of made apparent that even after it was proven that Odo was at least sentient even though they still didn't know what he was but it's sentient he was still something of a curiosity that was you know experimented on and so forth and right. Odo obviously you know he was traumatized by that he really hates that and so he's now seeing the parallels the, p- the potential parallel anyway of this happening to this young um hadar here and he's trying to make sure that doesn't happen now um you know the, the issue that we have of course is that the the Jemedar are bred by the founders to be the perfect fighting machine and it's it's not even a matter of like Social conditioning and like that they are literally bred for that purpose, they are bred to be perfect soldiers who are obedient to the founders. Right. And even, you know, uh, Cisco not Cisco, but Bashir, when he's doing his diagnostics, he's like, you know, he's missing a vital enzyme, he's basically suffering from, um, addiction. like a drug addiction, yeah. like a like withdrawal. Yeah, and he's like, the only thing I could think of that would that would be a reason someone would intentionally design a species with this obvious flaw is control. Right. So, you know, they're, they're putting the pieces together that, yeah, this was, again, this is all genetic engineering on a scale that has never been encountered before. And it's all to make them hyper aggressive. And we see that it plays out beautifully, perfectly, because here's this, this kid who went from infant to teenager in the course of a few days and now he's wielding weapons and apparently he has he has some kind of genetic training something or whatever because he is able to walk talk uh, and fight right fairly quickly yeah so there must be some kind of genetic knowledge that's ingrained in him and that's clear that's also indicated as well with odo because he reveres odo on sight. yes you know, so, yeah, there there seems to be some kind of genetic conditioning here for this. So, yeah, they, they have every reason to be apprehensive, and I think Odo was definitely kind of blind to the uphill battle he was having to fight in trying to change all of that genetic conditioning to right. get this guy to be like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can be more than just cannon fodder for the Dominion.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it I was, thought that, uh, that was
0: just a very interesting bit.
1: Yeah, and I have to say that the part when Kira comes to him and like berates him and like reminds him that he's a Jim Hadar was the worst scene in this in, the, in this episode. I, I was really unhappy with that scene because we just had Kira and Odo like bonding, and then here comes Kira and she's like, "Hey, Odo, remember that he's a Jim Hadar," and she's like mad at him, and, and it's like, yeah. "What do you do?" It that? also.
0: S- it also seems a bit tone deaf considering the episode that we just watched with Kira, in which she kind of has her own little redeeming moment with uh, T'Keni Gamore. That's
1: true. Um,
0: you know, yeah. revealing that he, you know, she was all she was of that opinion that all Cardassians were murderers, and yet by the end of the episode, she is telling T'Keni how much of an honorable man. She thinks he is, and right. so then for her in the very next episode to follow it up and say, you know, you're dealing with a Jem'Hadar, he's bred to war, he can't change, he's dangerous. To right. her, for her to be saying those things, it flies in the face of the development we just saw her go through right. in the last episode.
1: And she doesn't come to Odo as a friend in that moment. She comes to berate him, or at least it felt mm-hmm. like berating to me. She doesn't come to him and just be like, hey, Odo, I'm, just, I'm really concerned. I know how – I know your story and what you're concerned. I know your concerns, but I'm really concerned that um, your – maybe your judgment is being clouded. And so I just – how are things going? She doesn't ask him any questions. She doesn't ask, do you sense that he can be reformed or that he is more than we are fearing? She just tells him, don't forget. <laughs> and I just felt right. like that scene was a – it was a – I don't know if insult's the right word, but just it was a it, – it brought Kira as a character down for me in that yeah. moment. And so in the end of the episode when Odo shows up and says you were right, well, I feel like, again, we've say so many times, this could have been another great two-part episode. I would have loved to see the Odo and Jim Hadar boy in the Gamma Quadrant episode. What is going on yeah. there? Why does he come back and say that she was right? Did something else happen in the meantime that we don't see? Yeah. Yeah. It
0: yeah. makes me wonder if there were some things that were left on the cutting room floor when they were doing the editing for this because the even that scene where Kira comes to confront Odo, it almost seems like it doesn't fit with what else was going on before it and right. then immediately following, almost like it was just kind of stuck in there. Um and then yeah, even at the end it's just like we it feels like a conversation or two is missing that would have really helped to tie a lot of that story together. So, yeah, we've said it before. Yet another episode that could have made a great two-parter, but also one that could have probably benefited from just being maybe 10 to 15 minutes longer, just yeah. to give us a couple of more interactions and some key points. Like, and not just with this story, like even with Cisco and Marta and Jake, that could have also used a, a scene or two more of them. You know, talking or interacting, right. um, you know, to help kind of smooth it out and give us a more complete um, um, episode. Right. But yeah, I would have loved to see more of that, and I would, I, yeah, I would love to see more of each of these interactions. If maybe they sent the Hadar off not to um, the Federation starbase somewhere, but maybe send him to Bejor. I mean, I don't, you know, because at the time, you know, like there's no. Dominion presence on Bajor, they apparently have their own scientific facilities. Maura is working at one that we know of anyway. So maybe keeping him relatively close by and then having Odo have to kind of do this back and forth every so often to do this development before it ultimately falls apart or not would have been another great way to explore these aspects too. And also show us how deeply interested Odo is in finding out if there is something redeemable about his people or not, right? Because that seems to be where he's at right now. Knowing that right. they are the controlling force on the Dominion seems to be very disheartening and troubling for him. Right. So it seems like he's intent on finding some kind of redeeming value, and um, they, we need more avenues for him to do that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it really does help the character of Odo to have these this, these conflicts going on. I feel like this is an episode that gave us a lot of insight into Odo and again I just wish there was more chance to really flesh that out again Kira being a I wish she had been a better partner to Odo and a better friend yeah. to Odo in that as opposed to just saying what we already knew <laughs> we well, you know he's dangerous yeah. that's the question that's being asked right now I mean when she gets Odo it's because he's in the middle of training um, I mean that could have been a great moment where she says to him like what do you think how's it going and he's like well um, he is like Destroying the the training session, like this kid is is like at an inherent level talented at this stuff, so I'm not even sure the federation could handle him. Something like that, like it really would be better for him. And actually, we forgot to talk about it. The boy says in talking with Odo when they're running to this the ship to try and kind of escape that like he wants to go be with the hadar He knows what he is, who he is, what he wants, because like Odo asks him like What do you want like Tell him what you want in that, like you know, psychiatrist type of way. And the kid like knows what he wants to be. He knows who he is. What he wants to do. He doesn't have questions about his existence. He doesn't have any, you know, metaphysical crises. He's like, this is what I am. This is what I do. I want to kill. I want to fight.
0: Yeah. Um, once, yeah. once he discovered – once he fully discovered what he was, especially watching those videos that Odo showed him, that yeah, really Odo's seemed to kind right. of like switch that on for him, yes. that that's what he wanted, you know. Right. So, yeah, um, I, I definitely get that too and like that desire for him to suddenly want to be with his people and now Odo definitely being at a crossroads of trying to figure out a way to redirect that kind of – not just aggressiveness but also that eagerness right. to – be more into that right. um, this is not the first time that we've seen this kind of motif tackled by um, by Star Trek you know they've done it a couple of different times and, you know in next generation they did it with the Borg um, Hugh when Hugh was discovered on right. that planet and he bef- ultimately ends up befriending Geordie and Picard is torn between using him as kind of the a, a Trojan horse in a way to fully cripple the Borg right. versus the realization of he is an individual different he's an individual right he,
1: which actually changed. does turn out to be the the crisis the the virus that the the Borg need to disintegrate, or at least right? Right. So
0: they he ends up they end up achieving their goal, but in a more roundabout manner by la- allowing
1: Hugh, Hugh
0: to stay, yeah. right? You know, and then you know Voyager did the same thing, also with the Borg when there was a drone that was created accidentally, and this drone was so wholly different from the others, um, and then he he became he became a threat to Voyager because he was so different, and the Borg were after him for that difference. And that he was he kind of started out the same way the shemadar does. He's wholly ignorant of the Borg. He knows that he is a Borg, but he has no previous knowledge of the Borg. And then once he learns about them, he's enticed. He wants to go and join the collective. And it's not until really kind of at the tail end moment that he realizes that he's different and that he has bonded more with the the crew of Voyager than with the actual Borg Collective and that he knows he's a threat and a danger and he ends up sacrificing himself to eliminate the danger to Voyager.
1: Interesting.
0: So, okay. so yeah, it's, a, again, something that Star Trek has played with a couple of different times. This is the first time, though, that we see it and we see that it's, that the whole redemption arc of the character fails. Like, with Hugh, there was some success in redeeming him and making him aware of his individuality. With the Borg on Voyager, kind of the same deal, only he sacrifices himself to save the rest of them. Here, Odo wholly fails. He does not convince him at all that he's in any way equal to the others, he fully is committed to his superiority and their inferiority, and he wants to go back and join the join the rest of the Jemadar. Right. You know, so yeah, he fails in this in this instance. Right. So our heroes fail, <laughs> which I actually I actually enjoy. Yeah. The fact that I don't yeah. want them to have success every time.
1: Right. Exactly. He fails
0: here. It's great.
1: Right. And he doesn't fail because he was. I, actually, that's why I think I was also a little frustrated by him saying to Kira that she was right. I don't feel like he, it was a it was a black and white right or wrong issue. I feel like yes, the the boy wanted something and he was a danger, and so the best thing to give the boy was what he wanted in this case. Going back to the Gamma Quadrant, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Odo couldn't, if if given more of a chance, have produced the, what he wanted, the effect that he wanted. True. So I, that's true. he didn't fail in the, he was totally, utterly wrong and he's a, he's a failure type of like, but no, no, he, uh, he, he, he wanted to make, Odo wanted to make a hard decision. He wanted to commit to a hard choice and, and work on something and things just didn't work out the way he wanted, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he was wrong per se. And uh, yeah. It, or that he was
0: wrong to try.
1: Exactly. That's it. Yeah. He wasn't wrong to try. And, uh,
0: Which is kind of what Kira, the where that's kind of where Kira was going. I feel like with her yeah. message to him, that he's wrong to even try. Because even she says in the beginning when they're in the wardroom and they're discussing at this point they were just discussing it right. she even is like "Yeah, send him send him to starfleet the sooner the sooner he's off the station the better right. she was ready right then to get rid of him right. um, she's really the only one that's ready to get rid of him the others are kind of like you know riding the fence a little bit but she's the only one who's like yeah just just toss him we' i'm ready right so yeah um i could see that as well
1: yeah um Oh, I feel like it's. we hit everything? Is that everything? Yeah. Let's talk about the episode. I mean, everything well, else...
0: I do. I do feel like that is um, that's it for the episode. The only other thing I will say is that I did want to briefly touch on the fact that once again we get to see Cisco employing his favorite tactic, tactic, which is blackmail. Um, uh, he blackmails Jake basically because he invites marta to dinner in the first place and jake's like i can't believe that you would invite her behind my back and he's like i didn't invite her behind your back i told you (laughs) that if you didn't i would and and and, and it's and it's absolutely (laughs) true back in season two when jake had first started talking about marta he was like i want to meet her right and he was like and he's like not yet but soon he's like okay you, you said soon I'm gonna hold you to that. So I mean, it's just—I it, I love the just—it's the, a little bit of dialogue, which again shows the consistency of Ben Cisco. The man yeah. is not above blackmailing <laughs> even his own family, and I love it. Black black. I love per se, it, but
1: I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> doing some leverage, working some leverage over on even his own. Yeah. Family.
0: <laughs> yes, the man is. That's his tool. He he just he loves it. He absolutely loves it. So. um overall what did you think of this episode
1: yeah i think odo really comes out great here cisco shines here um marta still have some questions about but okay well we can move forward um i mean the episode certainly makes the episode doesn't make me walk away going oh she was terrible and like i I like her more by the end of the episode than i did at the beginning but i still have questions i guess i'd say um i do feel like the kira odo uh relationship was great at first, and then hit some sort of weird rough patch there. As we've talked about, but otherwise, um... oh, and I also, if you go into the Gamma Quadrant, they the Jim Hadar had said that we're gonna, in the Changelings had said we're not gonna let you come through anymore. And yet the freighter chick and Odo with the Jim Hadar boy end up going through to like return him at the very least. So, what is our relationship with the Jim Hadar and the Founders mm-hmm. like? Is it is it yeah, more I mean, there of... seems
0: we don't really... They, I, I, you know, that's a good question. I mean, the even Quark kind of intimates with the Baselic Captain when she says she's going to the Gamma Quadrant. He's, he's, he's surprised. He's like, you're still going to the Gamma Quadrant? So it kind of seems like a lot of ships, a lot of species from the Alpha Quadrant have decided to give the Wormhole a wide berth. The only people that seem to be going through the Wormhole right now are most likely military personnel, Starfleet, right. maybe some, some Klingon ships, whatever. But that's about it. Unless you're like ready for the combat that could happen on the other side of it you're not going um i think odo kind of you know he gets a pass here because they weren't going to kill him like once the ship is scanned and they realize that odo's on board they're not going to kill him
1: yeah and then of course you know that's definitely true I, i totally agree but it still does ask the question like when they find out that the Jim and our boy was in the Alpha Quadrant, they're going to have questions. How did he get there? Oh, was a, this freighter. Well, that's all kinds of questions yeah, that they ask, but we don't get them. We don't see them ask it. We don't no, see the answers. So,
0: no. Yeah. Not at all. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens here soon. We got we, this season three is a great season, and it's a great lead up to some of the best parts of Deep Space Nine and seasons four and beyond. So, we are getting there. Yeah. But. Um, I think that's it for us tonight.
1: All right, now First um, live stream. Woo!
0: Yes. <laughs> now before we completely wrap up, I do want to say, of course, um, you sh- if you're if you haven't already. Watched it, you should watch the most recent episode of The Lower Decks because it is the first return to Deep Space Nine in 23 years. When, yes, it is the cartoon show and, and all that stuff, but we have not seen anything of Deep Space Nine on screen in any form in 23 years. So if you are in any way nostalgic, you should watch it and. Note that it does pick up a couple of years after um, Deep Space Nine let off. It's, I think it's like five or ten years after. I think it's actually five years after Deep Space Nine ended hmm. uh, in the in the show canon. Okay, so um, be prepared for that. There are some, some great old faces that pop up uh, when you watch it. But yeah, there you go. Um, also, if you would like to join... David and I, as we said earlier on in the episode, we will be reading the Expanse series, and we are, of course, starting with the first book, Leviathan Wakes. I have my copy, of course, which I've shown off already. David has ordered his, and it should be there tomorrow, I think you said. Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. so um, we'll be talking about that uh, going forward. We'll be incorporating that also into our show. Um, not going to do every single you know chapter and like that, but we'll just nah. do like kind of a check in yeah. or something, you know, um, just to kind of go from there. Kind of right now, unless something happens and we both are just like we have to talk about this particular thing, then of <laughs> course we will because because it's our show and we can do that. But um, yeah, you could look forward to that. But Anyway, as we say every week, you can find us and follow us anywhere that you do your social medias. That's Facebook, um, Twitter, and now, of course, YouTube, our YouTube channel, and everything will be called The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. And if you don't want to follow us for the live broadcast or the YouTube content that we put up there, you can, of course, still listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. David, you said you're on Apple, right? All right. Well, that's going to be it for our first ever live broadcast of the Fire Caves. Until next time, guys, take care of yourselves.
1: Thanks, guys.